the volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. Back at it again for this Friday. Big weekend. And playoffs are going to be the main theme of what we hit off the top. I had to record this before the Cowboy game, so no strong take on Cowboys, Taysom Hill. If the Cowboys lose to Taysom Hill, uh, it might be time for Dan Quinn, as Coward would say, to turn his hat forwards. But uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot going on. Big show today. Uh, Jake Crane, who hosts the J-Boy show for the volume, who does it out of Atlanta, big SEC guy, but knows all of college football. We talked today for about 30 minutes just kind of got just nerdy, little nerdy football stuff. Uh, Middlecoff Mailbag, of course, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Make sure you slide in to get your questions answered here on the show. Uh, and if you rate and review on iTunes, leave a review. Would greatly appreciate that. It helps w- us with the selling of the show. And if you've listened, you know we like the ads. <laughs> you know, we got to eat, baby. You know, it's, shit ain't free around here. Uh, but I want to start with just playoffs and, you know, in most of our jobs, right? We have different times of year, depending on what you do that are more important. If you're in sales, there are different quotas either for quarters or for fiscal year. So things build up. 
Uh, but for the most part, I guess if you're in a big corporation, you know, a public company, there's obviously the earning report every quarter. Uh, but for most of us, there's not like a defining moment every single week like there is in sports, but specifically football. And let's face it, like the games, if you're in the mix, the games mean more in December. Like in my industry, obviously I have a big fall, but I mean, I still got to produce content in March or in May. It, It doesn't really stop. Now I might get some more listeners on a playoff show or in a big, you know, December show, but you know, it doesn't necessarily say change from March. When I worked in the NFL, especially when I worked in the office, the buildup as the season goes on is as intense as hell. But it really starts like once the draft ends, you work your entire time once the draft ends with OTAs and then training camp. And once the season gets going to have a team that has a shot to make a playoff run. That's the whole point of any of this stuff. That's why everyone works so hard and so long. I was thinking about it today. Like, you know, I'm pretty lucky. My, my job it's not a, I don't want to say a joke because I, I just talk for a living. It's not very difficult. I mean, it's mentally draining, but like I grew up, my dad, when I got in trouble, he'd throw me out on the ranch, be on the hoeing crew for 14 hours and 110 degrees, right? I, I had to work construction in high school. That shit was hard. And even when I worked in the NFL, it was just all day, every day. I, I didn't get to just sit on the couch and watch the cool players. That's not how it worked. It was, and anyone listening to this that's in the professionals, the coaching, you spend so much time with just random players. You don't spend all your time with just the stars. Game planning and working, and if you're in the scouting department, you know, emptying every, you know, lifting every rock, looking under the corner to see, is there a player? Is there a guy on special teams that can help us? And hopefully we got a chance to be good. And right now when you look at the playoffs in pro football, there are a lot of teams in the mix. Hell, in college there are a lot of teams in the mix. And this weekend, starting this weekend, moving forward, is when we're going to separate the men from the boys. I, I, I really believe that. I mean, they're, the Rams are leaking oil right now, right? Uh, you have teams like, is the Washington football team coming? Are the Raiders still alive? The Chargers good? The Bengals? What's going on there? Are the Chiefs really for real and they're just going to head toward 12-5? Uh, and Kind of feels that way. But the Broncos that I just watched last week kicked the crap out of the Chargers. Are they good? I don't know. You know, Minnesota, are they just going to tap out? Or are they going to keep swinging and make the playoffs? Because they should, right? How are the Cardinals going to look? Is is Kingsbury, who's never won anything, just going to go and be a 13-4 and four team? Is Kyler healthy? I don't know, right? To me, I think we all kind of agree the Packers might be the best team, and they got a bunch of injuries. I've, I've been saying over and over and over again, parity can be overrated. We all know that. But there has never been a season that I remember in the modern age of football, in the Brady, Belichick, Peyton Manning era, to me, that has been this wide open. I think you could make a case for 10-plus teams easily to win the championship, and that part's cool. You could also make the case, look at the AFC. Look how many teams are vying for playoff spots. The entire AFC West under the Chiefs are 6-5. and five. I don't think the Colts are dead. Are the Browns just, are they just a one-and-done playoff team? That was it? Just happened like that? Are the Steelers just Steelers-Ravens this week? Are, are they going to respond after getting their ass kicked by the Bengals? I don't know. I mean, to me this week, like on paper, some of the matchups are weird, but I just think like what's going to happen to the playoffs? Because all these guys work all season and that's how you're defined. Just getting to the playoffs is a big deal for an owner. Just being in the mix right now in December is important, 
right? Why have you just, if you've kept your uh, ear to the internet street, have you seen Matt Rule's name? Like, would Matt Rule be interested in Oklahoma? Would Notre Dame call Matt Rule before they hired Marcus Freeman? It's because he's losing and he has no quarterback. And nobody, I don't care how much money you make, wants to lose in pro football. In a sport of parody where everyone, that's why Gruden was getting crushed before the emails came out. It's like, is this guy ever going to make the playoffs? And there's so much pressure, especially with this added spot. Look at college football. Do you know how much pressure this weekend is on guys like Kirby Smart, Jim Harbaugh, Mike Gundy? What I think about Oklahoma State, shout out to my guy Hunter Mann, I think they're a golf school with a basketball team that can be good every once in a while. He's, a, he's one win away, but he's got to go through Baylor, one of the better programs in that conference, Dave Garanda, good-looking bald guy. I mean, he wins that game, he's in the playoffs. Think about what's on the line. Jim Harbaugh, who every single human that listens to this show, let's face it, you all thought he sucked. You all did. I was even starting to question it. And I'm a Jim Harbaugh stan. Well, he came back this year, guns blazing. Well, if you're going to beat Ohio State, you better not lose in the Big Ten Championship game. You work all offseason. You work all training camp. You take care of business. For for the uh, college football guys, it's all about this week. You win and you're in, right? Right. Michigan wins, they're in. Bama wins, they're in. Oklahoma State wins, they're in. Doesn't get any better than that. It's as good as it gets. In pro football, some of these guys, like, you just got to start winning games. You, You don't got three months left. You only got one month. And it starts getting cold. The weather changes. It gets intense. I heard someone say, oh, Stucky, the wins uh, Monday night can't wait for Monday night. Bills, Patriots. Think how much on the line in that game. Like part of the reason we love the NFL, obviously it's the highest level of football, but the intensity of the games. That's why I love the SEC championship game. How much is on the line for Georgia and Alabama? Think how much is on the line for Sean McDermott. This is the biggest regular season game Sean McDermott's ever coached. And it's against fucking Bill Belichick. It's like it doesn't get any. It's why, it's why you do this. It's why they pay you all that money. It's why you you know work twenty hour days to take your shot against the the goat. You know, and you win, you lose. We all get to watch it. You know, like when I suck or I fail. You know, if I do a bad segment, I can just delete it. You might never hear it, right? Most of you, if you have a bad week, no one even notices. These guys have a bad week. Twenty million people are watching. Players, coaches. You know, the, the the intensity, everyone in the arena, right? You got some of these stadiums, 60, 70, and college is even bigger. So I, I to me, playoffs, the importance, the intensity moving forward. Uh, I, I love the added playoff team. It just keeps so many more teams in the mix. You can argue it dilutes the, uh, the field a little bit, but I'd call BS. Think how cool, like if you're a Washington football team fan right now, like you're the seventh seed. But if you're Minnesota, you're not dead either. Right? If you're the Raiders, the Chargers, the Broncos, like years ago, most of those teams wouldn't sniff the playoffs. But that extra team just gives the team is like eight and spots eight and nine a chance. And again, back to the, the are the Ravens that good? Are the, are the even the Patriots like are, are you losing sleep over playing Mac Jones in a playoff game? I don't think you are. Right? The, the Ravens have a million injuries. The Chiefs have flaws. Uh, the Packers have a bunch of injuries. We'll see if some of these guys come back. You know, you just look around. Brady, look at that team. Think how many guys are injured. I mean, Antonio Brown just got popped. <laughs> Luckily, I, I almost tweeted something a couple weeks ago, like crushing the journalist. It's like, if you're going to put this out there, you better be right. Turns out he was. <laughs> you know, that's a good big J. He was right. Uh, you know, now I, I thought it was a little crazy trusting the chef, but shows you Antonio Brown, bro, pay your debts. You wouldn't have gotten any trouble if you just would have paid the chef. You owed him $10,000.
you're a multimillionaire. It's a, it's a great life lesson. Now, if you literally don't have the money to pay someone off, nothing you can do. But if you say you're going to pay someone and you have the money, part of being a grown-up and an adult is paying them. This would not have happened. Instead, the NFL had to look into it, fake Vax card, bye-bye AB. You'd be naive to think that a lot of players haven't done the same. But they don't have former chefs turning them in. So that one's on the stupidity uh, of our man AB that, you know, finds himself in controversy a, a little more than most, right? He he's kind of gravitates toward, uh, toward problems. I, I think his resume speaks for itself at this point. And, uh, you know, the, that's you know that's nothing that's not nothing with the box like you know when he was healthy he was playing well he came on at the end of last season he was playing well this season so i i'm very very excited not not just for sunday but saturday and then monday is just that that to me is that that that's doesn't get much better in football monday night football at buffalo new england's the hottest team in the league it doesn't get much better than that let's fire to the interview with our main man jake from the J-Boy Show. Well, fired up. I've been saying for a while that if you are a college football fan, you have to subscribe to the J-Boy Show. You can find it on Apple iTunes, Spotify, you name it. Also, Volume YouTube channel every day, 3 to 4 Eastern. I always get my, what's that? Noon to, noon to 1 for us out of here on the Pacific Standard Time. USC Trojan Time. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he, he's also known as Jake Crane. That's his real name. Uh, former college coach. Uh, now just taking the SEC and Southern football and just college football by storm. What is up, bro? How you doing? Hey, John. It's an honor to come on, man. I, uh, you know, it's funny. I always talk about when I'm talking about the NFL. They need to go go check you out and what you're doing and, and appreciate you uh, returning the favor. And, man, it's been wild. <laughs> you know, the past couple of days, really past week in college football, you know, we didn't really even get a chance to talk about the rivalry games that much that, that went on because of the coaching carousel. T- just tell everyone that's listening to this show that might not know who you are, just a little bit about your background. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you're not, you know, you, you didn't go to Syracuse journalism school just to become no. a talking head. You know, you're, you're a no, football no, no. guy. So just, just look, brief synopsis of your life. Yeah, no, I definitely didn't graduate from Northwestern. Uh, played ball at South Alabama. Uh, GA there, coached junior college for a little bit, went back there, uh, ended up coaching for nine and a half years, seven at the Division One level, uh, and came back during the pandemic. We got pushed back to when we could go back, and I just started recording podcasts just kind of off the whim, uh, and it really kind of took off, and you know, I kind of decided this is what I wanted to do, and thought I was young enough to be able to do it and get back in coaching if it didn't work, and you know, I picked my head up now, and uh, you know I'm on here with Colin, and, and it's just going fantastic, and our audience has been unbelievable. Uh, but now, man, it's it's been great, and just rocking and rolling. So you do your show out of the uh, College Football Hall yep. of Fame. You're based in Atlanta, Georgia, correct? That's exactly right. Yeah, we're in here right now, getting ready for the storm that is coming with the SEC championship uh, between Georgia and Alabama, Battle of the Titans this weekend uh, here in Atlanta. Let's start there. Uh, I, I was listening to your show, and, and you know what's weird is I had a lot of friends that worked for some of the early iterations of the Saban program, Jim McElwain, Ed Manowitz, some of that early building, and they swore by Will Muschamp. And Will Muschamp was kind of put on this pedestal about being the next Nick Saban, and he had been Nick's right-hand guy. It just never materialized for whatever reason. But Kirby basically has become everything I think we thought Will Muschamp was going to be for like a decade-long stretch. H- how good is this guy? You have a front-row seat. I know you watch Georgia closely. 
you know, the, the thing about Kirby, number one, he gets it. And, you know, we always talk about, is this coach a CEO coach? Is this coach, you know, just a defensive guy? Kirby's a defensive guy, yes. But Kirby got the blueprint from Coach Saban. And the thing that makes that separates Kirby, in my opinion, is that he's genuine. Like, like the way he is, how fired up he gets, the way he talks to the guys. If you hear some of the speeches in the locker room, it is exactly what an 18 to 22-year-old wants to hear that plays college football. He's himself. And when, when you're yourself and you're at a place like Georgia that the brand sells itself, you're basically taking two tsunamis and putting them together because you can have unlimited success at Georgia. I would say Georgia per capita, when you look at high school basketball, football and baseball, is probably the best state in the country per capita, uh, in my opinion, with all three sports. And Kirby's been able to go there. He played at Georgia. He's a Georgia boy. They love him there. And he's won. The only hump he has to get over is Nick Saban. But you look at the way he recruits. Kirby's smart, not just because he has that G on his chest and they've been doing well on his shirt logo, but Kirby gets it. He's genuine. He's himself. And the players trust him. The players believe that he wants what's best for them. And that's all you have to do. If the players believe that you want what's best for them, they'll run through a wall for you. But you got to prove it every day to them. And I think Coach Smart has done an unbelievable job, whether guys are performing on the field, not performing on the field, if they're a backup, if they're a starter, they know that Coach Smart knows what makes them laugh. He knows what makes them cry. He knows who they are, and he knows how to motivate them. Because a coach's job is to push you further than you can push yourself. And that's what Kirby's done. He's just happened to do it at a juggernaut like Georgia. And Kirby took his time. Now, Kirby, just like Billy uh, uh, Napier, he took his time, built up a lot of equity, and decided he was going to pull the trigger for the right job. And the right job was Georgia, and you see him thriving. His plan's working. The five-year plan. I'm not talking about Big Daddy with the guy that works at Hooters. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny is I have, uh, I have a good buddy that lives in Northern California who's dating a girl that went to University of Georgia. Good decision. And, and she is a diehard. And we were out uh, a couple weeks ago. It would have been the week that Georgia played Tennessee. And we, were, we ended up going out to the bars. And over a couple of drinks, she looks at me, and she goes, how good are we? And I could see it in her eyes, like, is this our year? And I said, I, I think you guys are the overwhelming favorites. And it, I mean, really, they handled business. Their schedule's been, you know, they can only play who's on, you know, the, the South or the East is down. But this week, Bama's a little down. And they're basically a touchdown favorite. This is kind of his, even though he'll have a ton of pressure, right, with the two playoff games. Uh -huh. But this game would get a monkey off his, how much pressure, because he's in the playoffs either way, right? He could lose this yep. game and he's still yep. in. But just... You're in that city right now, the, the fan base. How big is this week? Well, and look, until they and, beat and, Bama. And do you, th and you think they're going to win? Like, who, who do you like yeah. this weekend? <laughs> until they beat Bama and they win the Natty, the pressure's going to be on. I mean, because Georgia fans aren't going to believe it until they see it. And you know what? They shouldn't. They haven't won a Natty since 1980. They've been as close as you can get. And, you know, it's it's uh, the, the boy who cried wolf kind of situation. Until it actually happens, then they're going to take a deep breath. But I think it's going to happen, John. Uh, you look across college football, there hasn't been a bunch of consistent teams. I mean, how many teams that have the roster to win it, which is three, maybe four, and I can argue that Georgia has the best roster in the country with what they have, that the veterans and the depth that they had coming back, the way they attacked the portal, even with the injuries. You know, when I look at this Georgia team, we look across the landscape of college football, who's played better complementary football than Georgia has? They have the number six offense in the country in total offense. People don't want to talk about that because it's not flashy and it's not sexy. This team reminds me a whole heck of a lot of the teams that Nick Saban was winning national championships with five, six, seven, really four or five, six, seven years ago. 
uh, Stetson Bennett. You came in with your backup quarterback, really your third string quarterback, who was you know taking reps with the scout team and walk-ons during fall camp. And, you know, he's been solid. They're like gravity, John. You don't realize that gravity's there until you're 80 years old and you're hunched over and you're like, how did this happen? Oh, it's because of gravity. Well, when you play Georgia, you feel like you're in the game. And then you look up in the third corner and you're like, how are we down 27 to three? Like, like just because they're consistent, they don't lose the game. Most, most teams, and I can argue this in the NFL, most teams in football lose games. They don't win them. It's the team that can really not lose the game that can be the most efficient that can be the most, you know, consistent. Now, you know, when I look at Georgia this year, one-off games, we know the talent Alabama has. Alabama's going to get up for this game. You know, everybody always asks when I'm betting games, well, they did this with this team and they did this with that team. It's hard to use the transitive property and be right, not only in college but in the NFL. For sure. Guys get up for different teams. You can probably only get your team up. And what I mean by up Not excited to play, but playing at a very high level for four, maybe five games a year. This game, Alabama will get up for. I expect it to be low scoring. I don't think you see a team score over 24 points. I think Georgia wins 24-14, 24-17 in that vein. I think they're going to be ahead by 7-10 throughout the game. Bama's going to be trying to play catch-up. The biggest matchup to me is the biggest matchup that it's always going to be when you play this Georgia team. Their front seven versus your offensive line. And if Alabama continues to struggle, especially on the right side of the offensive line, it's going to look like the part on deep impact when the wave comes and takes uh, old girl and her, and her dad off the beach. That's what it's going to look like. Well, I was thinking yesterday, picking up lunch, can you imagine the focus and intensity? Like Saban and, and Kirby ain't giving Newt Rockney speeches this week. No. This is everyone. Can you imagine the the – the the intensity in the building, I mean, all week and on the field, in the meeting rooms like that. You talk about two programs, the GOAT versus Kirby, who's little GOAT, it feels like. Yeah. just the, the, And the, the amount of talent on both teams, like it would have been a clinic to document, you know, just get, you know, people oh, just yeah. document what's going on on film. Yeah. yeah, there's nobody laughing at practice on no. the sideline. There's none of that. You know, to quote Dan Fouts, it's the bourbon bowl, man. You can't hold anything back. Can I tell you about my friends at FanDuel? Right now, all customers get $20 parlay bet bonus. You know who I like this weekend? I like the Chargers. Everyone's going to take the Bengals. I like the 49ers. And I like, I kind of like the Steelers. Little parlay right there. A lot of playoff action going. Just place $20 in the same game parlay bets and get a $10 bonus, regardless if your bet wins or loses. A lot of good action this week. A lot of big games like the Broncos plus 10. Get your gamble on at FanDuel. There's no feeling like nailing a same-game parlay. Bet so lock in yours today on FanDuel Sportsbook and make every moment matter more because you get paid. New to FanDuel Sportsbook? Sign up today with the promo code COLIN to also receive a risk-free bet of $1,000. That's promo code COLIN so they know I sent you. 21 and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund, $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile and web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Michigan, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. 
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Bridgestone Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you, or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Bridgestone test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Well, really quick, looking a little bit ahead, Michigan, who looked fucking awesome. I mean, could they be the one team? And to me, that was a little bit like Harbaugh 49ers throwback 
They're built a little like Georgia, right? Their quarterback's yeah. not that sexy. They can run the ball defensively. They have multiple. I mean, they might have the number one overall pick. You know, Aiden's, you know? Aiden right now is the number one overall pick. I, I, I think he's there. I'm hearing terms like J.J. Watt. But, you know, when I look at Michigan, John. Could, Michi- could Michigan beat Georgia? Because, I mean, it's kind of lining up that those two teams, especially if Georgia wins this weekend. I think, I think and, and I've said this multiple times, I, I think for a team like Michigan to beat Georgia, Georgia's going to have to turn it over a couple times. Uh, and you're going to have to make a play on special teams. Just because, not that, that I don't think the game would be close, but when I look at McNamara, and, and J.J. McCarthy, you can't ask a freshman to come in in a game like that against a team like Georgia. I don't know, because, you know, Michigan was able to line up and run it down Ohio State's throat. Michigan didn't win that game because of the pass. Michigan won that game because the offensive line decided we're not going to lose this game and we're going to be better than you are. And then obviously Aiden and Njobu and those guys on the defensive side did what they did. But when I look at Michigan's offense against Georgia, I just have a hard time finding a way that they'd be able to consistently run the ball with the way that Georgia two gaps. And if Michigan's not able to run the ball, and really any offense in general, I always say if you're not balanced, you fall off the beam. If Michigan's not able to run the ball, I don't see them being able to stretch the field vertically, not having Bell, a guy that went down earlier in the year uh, against a team like Georgia. I think they'd have trouble scoring. Uh, so I really honestly believe it. If, it. if everything's chalk, if Georgia wins, Michigan wins, Cincy wins, Oklahoma State wins. I think you're going to have Georgia playing Michigan in the national championship. Okay, let's uh, let's get some coaching movement. I, I've always had a philosophy, and it, it probably works more in the South and the West that where you're from matters. And if you look at the guys who crush it in the South, you know historically Bobby Bowden, Spurrier. I consider West Virginia the South, so I mean I consider uh, Saban. I, no, I don't know. Saban. You yeah, might well, disagree. West Virginia's the South, yeah. Kirby, Dabo, Jimbo, you know, and I think the West Coast, same thing. Pete Carroll, West Coast guy. Jeff Tedford, West Coast guy. Mike Pilati, West Coast guy. Chris Peterson, West Coast guy. Like it's just it's a natural fit in the South and the West when you're from. And Brian Kelly, great coach. When I was at Fresno State, I was a GA there. We played that Cincinnati team that got him the job. They were they didn't have that much NFL talent, and they were awesome. That guy's the real deal, but he's an outsider. He's from UMass, coached his whole life northeast, right? Michigan, and I guess I'd consider Notre Dame northeast too. But the guy can coach. But his coordinators aren't coming with him. You know, no one will argue that the guy's you know a winner. But what do you think about the fit? Because he wasn't their first choice. Yeah. Lincoln was obviously, um, as you reported. Yeah, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, when I look at Brian Kelly, and you talk about the fit, is he? He's the guy that's going to walk in there and be like, hey, can I have a poor boy sandwich, please? Like down there in Louisiana. And they're going to be like, no, it's po' boy. You know, or can I have an uh, etouffee? You know, it's like, no, it's etouffee. But if you're winning, and you know what, Louisiana people kind of like that. You know, sometimes being the outsider is kind of cool. I mean, when I switched high schools, I was the coolest guy at the new high school for two weeks because I was the new guy. You know, so, you know, sometimes they like uh, that freshness from the outside. And, and look, Brian Kelly to me, and it's funny, people say, oh, well, his assistants aren't going with him. Well, when Nick Saban got on the plane to go to LSU for Michigan State, none of his assistants went with him either. Is he the easiest guy to work for? No. But does he understand how to win? Does he understand how to structure a program? Does he understand how to blend being a guy that understands schematically what he needs, understands how to let his coaches coach, but also be in the parameters of the identity that he wants his team to be? And most importantly, he realizes that the game is won and lost up front. And he made the conscious decision that at the end of the day, and I know we're going to talk about Lincoln and all this, he wants to know. He's tired of being in Notre Dame where you go to the playoffs and then you just get ran through up front. 
He said it in his press conference at LSU. I wanted to go to a place that has the best players. Some guys, at the end of the day, have to know how they stack up. They want to know how they stack up against Nick Saban. I use Brian Harson as an example all the time. Brian Harson came into Auburn not because it was like, oh, well, you know, I get to go here. He wants to find out. You know, I said this on Colin's show the other day. When you're 85 and you're wrinkled and you're sick and you're talking to your great grandkids and they're asking you stories about coaching, you want to be able to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I didn't run from it. I wanted to stack up next to Nick Saban. I wanted to stack up to Jimbo. I wanted to see what I could do against Kirby and all these other guys. So, you know, I, I, I applaud Brian Kelly for it. You can call him a lot of things, but afraid isn't one of them. But, John, I'll say this. I'll say this. You know the pressure in the SEC, and you know the pressure at LSU. If you're not a great fit or a country boy fit, you better win early. Because Brian Kelly is not going to win a press conference if they lose to Arkansas and A&M. And all. He's not going to go up there and give you a bunch of warm fuddy, fuzzies and, and, you know, cuddly remarks. And you're like, oh, well, you know, let's just give that guy a chance. So he better win early. But I think he's a guy that can go in there and do it. And with the transfer portal, I mean, you could flip a program about as quick as any place. And LSU's a place that could, you know, to quote Missy Elliott, you know, flip it, twerk it, and reverse it real quick. Well, especially if they, and I've heard you talking about this, if they go to 12-team playoff, like starting next year, the, the SEC West is at minimum getting multiple teams in every oh, year. For, yeah, you can write that down. So then it's just between, if Alabama feels like a shoe in as long as Nick's there, it's just kind of between then who? Like Lane, Jimbo, and now Brian Kelly, or maybe, yeah. and who knows? On a good year, maybe they get three teams in. It's not inconceivable, yeah. right? No, 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 it's not. And and when I look at the 12-team, and you know, I was big on the 18. Uh, I wanted the 18 playoff. I think 12 is the number you have to cap it at before you start messing with the regular yeah, I season. But I also know that, you know, when you look at it, this is about money. And they're looking at They're like, oh, well, you know, we got two games, right? We started out with two teams. They put it to four, so they doubled their money. Now, they, if they go to 12, they can already triple the doubled profits. So, yeah. uh, I'm afraid, you know, we're going to go down a slippery slope there. But with the 12-team playoff, I mean, you would think you'd have at least three SEC teams in there, including the team that's going to automatically get in for winning the conference. Okay, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, you can't win national championships there. Right now, in the modern day. I know Stoops yeah. did 20 years ago, but right now you can't because you can't build up the defense. And Notre Dame, you can't get the players in. But I, I heard you talking. I've heard a lot of people talking about Lincoln Riley going to USC. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously the Pac-12. And listen, I'm a West Coast. I'm a Pac-12. I've actually gravitated toward the SEC. It's just better football. Yeah, but yeah. like I, I do cater for that. the Trojans. They ain't Pac-12 football when they're right. And yeah. if you go to USC, they're not just going to go once they start making the playoffs. I mean, maybe early. But in, if he does this right, Pete Carroll used to beat the shit out of the SEC. Oh yeah, and let's, and let's face it, the SEC changed dramatically when Urban and Saban came in. It was always been a talented conference, but they've brought, and especially Nick, brought in a flood of cash and took it to a completely different level. Right, rising tide lifts all boats. Well, Lincoln's going to USC again. The conference stinks, but he can build an SEC team there. So he is not once if he does it right, and he and listen, we know we can get quarterbacks, wide receivers. He was doing that at Oklahoma. Yeah. Can he get the front seven guys? Because that's what Pete did. Cushing's, Malugas, the Ruckers, the Mike Pattersons, you name it. If he does, he has – I heard you're, you had a former quarterback. Uh, is it Jack Cohn? No, David Cohn. Jack da- Cohn's David the quarterback Cohn. at Notre Dame right now. I always mess with him about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and he was saying that he could build Clemson out west, and I agree. Yeah. Because if I told you that Nick Saban retired next year, and let's say their number one guy they went after was Dabo Sweeney, an alumni. And if Dabo turned them down to stay at Clemson, no one would say he was ducking, right? Because he's already won and he's winning there. Or would you? 
Yeah, no, you know, it's number one, I'd never want to be the guy that follows Saban. I'd rather be the guy that follows the guy that follows Saban. But I do want to say this first. You know, I'm a college football purist. Am I from the South? Yes. But I want all of college football to be good. I want USC to be good. I want Notre Dame to be good. I want UCLA to be good. I want Oregon to be good because it's better for college football, especially when we expand the playoff. But you're right. The the, the way I see the Lincoln-Riley thing, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying about uh, Brian Kelly, I think you have two archetypes of people. I just think you have two type of people. One type of, of coach that you just have to know. Like, it's not about anything but, else. But, but Jake, but Jake, the difference is Brian Kelly was not offered the USC job. He was desperate. Now, it's weird because obviously he got a lot of money. But he, you know, he was calling Florida to try to get He wanted to leave Notre Dame to get to a, a better job. Yeah, because he, he wanted to know. I mean, he wants to know. He wants to go down there and say, all right, well, I, I want to know what it's like to coach with the best players, against the best players, recruit against the best coaches, because that's what it is. Now, you have another type, because Lincoln Riley at the end but, of the but day... But you're assuming that he would take LSU over USC. Like, USC wasn't an option for him, which maybe he would have gone there. I'm just yeah, but why didn't he re- why didn't he reach out to USC then? Well, I'm sure he has. They might not have been, had any interest, right? Well, well, I mean, we know it's been made public that Florida didn't, but, uh, you know, my thing about Lincoln is he may have made the smartest decision out of anybody at the end of the day, because if you're going to expand to 12... And the goal is to get to the playoff. Well, you know, there's another type that says, well, if I want security, stability, and success, if I go out to the Pac-12, I look around Oregon, you know, with Mario out there, who I think is going to be the next coach at Bama, uh, is building something at Oregon, we know. UCLA with Chip Kelly, if he gets the right quarterback in there, and he's not the greatest recruiter of all time, but they can get hot. We know what Chip can do offensively. You look around the conference, Utah, Kyle Winningham, I think is one of the most underrated coaches in the country. He doesn't get enough pub, but there's an easier path. And USC is still even with Oregon having success, the beacon of the Pac-12. When I hear the word Pac-12, the first thing I think of is Pete Carroll and USC. And if they do have that place rolling, that is one of the five to seven places that you can flip really quick. That is, I, I can walk to a high school in Georgia and Alabama right now and say, tell me about the USC Trojans. And they remember, those kids know how good USC can be. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not old Nebraska. It's not old Tennessee. They remember how good USC can be. So I think Lincoln took the less risky you know, decision to go out there. And he knows Pac-12 is about offense. But if you get good enough defensive players out there on the front seven, like you mentioned, and I think Grinch is a great DC. I really do. Uh, but you can get those guys to USC. And you know what? You can strike fear into people at USC when they see that logo and you know about the tradition and the Coliseum and all that stuff. So, you know, do I think Lincoln looked at the SEC like we talked about and, and thought about it and weighed his options between USC and the, and the SEC? Yes, and I'm not going to berate him. Or I don't think he's weak or think he's stupid. I just think he went about it a different way. And there's a lot of different people that, that go about it different ways. So, you know, people are just different. Yeah, I mean, I, the one thing, and again, he wasn't thinking this, but even like when Urban went to Ohio State, it's a more recent example than Nick, Mm-hmm. He he improved that conference. Just the money started oh, flowing yeah, yeah. in and they became better. That's what USC ultimately it's the pressure is a little different, obviously, out west than it is in the SEC. The SEC is basically the NFL light, right? But there's he's not gonna just be able to cruise at eight and four for several years making a no, hundred million dollars. No. I mean, yep. they are when you get paid that much, the expectations I would say competing for playoffs by year two, especially when you factor in the conference, right? Oh, Anything yeah. less than like a very, very strong playoff, you know, type uh, 12 teams. Yeah. You have 12 teams by year two. Like, you better be in it if you're Lincoln Riley. Yeah, no doubt. Well, well, what I find fascinating is, you know, the old adage, and you know this, John, you've been in the business, in college was, well, you got to give a new coach three years to get his personnel in there. And that's, that's done. recruiting. Well, now with the transfer portal, 
you know, what, what is it, two and under? I mean, you got to flip the house really quickly, but you can. And USC, and you're already seeing in recruiting right now. I mean, he's had three five stars, I believe, you know, flip from Oklahoma to USC, including an outstanding quarterback. He was already recruiting California. Oklahoma's right there in the middle in that in that footprint, so he was kind of able to double dip a little bit. But when you look at, at the access to kids that would like to go to U.S., I mean, that's a destination place for some guys, especially older guys that know they're going to get exposure now that Lincoln is there and it are, it's already being USC. But the, the time they allot for you to be able to flip stuff now uh, from going, you know, broke to better, I guess, uh, for lack of a better phrase, uh, it's not as long as it used to be. And the pressure, there will, there's always pressure. Like you said, when you're paying that much money, you're letting them use the jet for free, whatever. We all know how much gas costs now. Lord knows how much that costs. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, there's going to be pressure. Uh, but, yeah, he, I, would, I would say, John, that if they are, they are in contention – Year one in the Pac-12, you know, win a couple games they're not supposed to and and just look better. You know, look like old USC. Be more explosive on offense. Start getting more people to fill the stands. I mean, you look at that game versus BYU, uh, there was 20 people there. And I may be overselling it by five or six. Well, I, w- I was driving around yesterday and I was thinking, one thing that separated Pete, and I think Ohio State has done a great job since Urban got there, is the Bosa brothers. You know, uh, guys like, um, you know, Chase Young, but even some of the SEC guys, Miles Garrett, number 99 right now at Georgia, Will Anderson, like Pete would have been in the mix and landed some of those guys, right? It wouldn't have been crazy. The Bosa brothers existed in 04. He would have got both those guys out of Florida to come to USC. At least he would have had a very good chance. Do you you think Lincoln Riley is going to be able to do, because if he doesn't, then he'll just have Oklahoma West, right? Can he get those guys? He's got to win first. If you win, they'll come. They'll come because, again, it, it'll be cool again because everybody in L.A. will be a buzz and you bring them in for visits and the whole town's excited about USC and you've got Rodeo and Hollywood and all this stuff, even though I know USC is by Compton, UCLA's on Rodeo. Uh, but I, you know what's funny is just how the map is flipped, John. I remember when Pete Carroll was at USC, like you said, he was coming to the South and snatching players out there. When Urban went to Ohio, Ohio State, he came down and was snatching players out of the SEC. It's why it looked like Ohio State was the fastest team in the world every time they play in the Big Ten. But now we are watching guys from California, since USC hasn't been very good, there hasn't been a dominant team out there, go from Cali to the South. I mean, look right now, the two most talked about quarterbacks in the country, or at least in the SEC coming in this year, were Bryce Young, uh, JT Daniels, DJ Ungalalele. I mean, all those guys are Cali guys. I mean, where's I mean, old Mrs. Quarterback from? Is Matt he from Southern California? I mean, look, I'm telling you, and it's not just quarterbacks, though. I mean, yeah. you're, you're seeing, you, and if he can just put a, you're never going to kill that pipeline completely. But if you can just take a chip out of it and start getting a few of those linemen and stuff to stay and and start to get that buzz around L.A., man, he, he could do it. Lincoln is smart enough and innovative enough to do it because everybody thinks Lincoln Riley, for some reason, just like Lane Kiffin is a guy that just runs around and throws the ball 90 times a game. No. I mean, they run a bunch of gap scheme. I mean, power, counter. He's got one of the best play action uh, packages off the power in the country and off the counter and off gap scheme in general. So I think he can build a balanced offense that doesn't put too much pressure on the defense because it's going at warp speed. Uh, I think if he, if he wins early, you'll start to see that pipeline kind of get kind of deflated a little bit, per se. Well, it's been it's been a good week for coaching millennials. Uh, Lincoln sure. Riley got half of L.A. Yesterday, Notre Dame, you know, obviously Kelly left a couple days ago, but they promoted a 35-year-old to be their head coach and kept their 29-year-old offensive coordinator. Uh, I Just tell me what you know about Marcus Freeman. I just went to his Wiki, Wikipedia page. He looks like – I watched a couple things on YouTube. Seems like an impressive dude. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I don't know if you ever seen the movie Baby Geniuses. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, look, uh, Marcus Freeman, to me, I think he was ready. Uh, I thought if Fickle took the Notre Dame job, Cincinnati's first call would have been to Marcus Freeman. I think Notre Dame is taking a gamble, but you, you, you have to take a gamble. I mean, if nobody ever took a gamble on guys with no head coaching experience or Power 5 experience, nobody would ever get head coaching or Power 5 or a group of five experience. So I think Marcus was ready. I think they liked the way that the players responded. If you go back and watch Inside the Garage, great show on the Volume uh, YouTube channel. I mean, that's the guy they wanted. And if the players want him, most likely they're going to get him. Typically, you can get younger guys like that for a little bit cheaper than, than what you could other guys. But look, Marcus is ready. Um, I think he's going to be fine. Tommy Reese, a very innovative mind. I think he'll be there one more year. I, you know, I heard his name kind of pop up for the Louisiana Lafayette, jo- Lafayette job uh, after Billy uh, uh, Napier had gone to Florida. So I think it was a great hire by Notre Dame. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of transition. He knows the lay of the land, even though he's been there for one year. And I think Marcus is ready. Uh, I really think he's ready. I don't think he's afraid of the moment. And the guy can really recruit. And the players want to play for him. That, that's the recipe you need. Yeah, I watched this thing on YouTube and he, he gave a statement like, listen, there are going to be players around the country that might not want to come to Notre Dame that we want. And I think he was talking about some blue chippers that are more likely to go to like the SEC or Ohio State. And he's like, it's it's my job to convince that guy. And that's just like, damn, this, yeah. you know, that's something that I don't know, Brian Kelly. I think after a while, when you've been somewhere, you just don't waste time when you think yeah. the guy's ultimately going to say no. And Brian Kelly clearly had a type, which they should stick with. They also just need to add two or three, you know, can they get a Will Anderson? Right? Yeah. Can they can they get a couple of those? Because they can, you know, the kid uh, on inside the garage, Hamilton, he's a really good player, right? Can they get two or three or more of those guys? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you know, John, you don't win games throughout the year and win championships with your first 44 or first 22. You win it with your first 44 and really your first 56. And my thing with Notre Dame is, you know, they've had years, uh, the offensive line, that they've always been pretty good on the offensive line. I, I don't think that's been a huge crux of them. They've been no. able to score points. But, you know, it, it's having the depth up front. It's not having just the one guy. It's having the two or three guys, the guys that, you know, when there's attrition throughout the year, Notre Dame can go and, and get that other four or five star, uh, six foot two, 300 pound nose guard that can rush the passer and do this and can compete at that level from a depth standpoint. And look, Marcus isn't going to shy away from it. And do I think Marcus Freeman is a better recruiter than Brian Kelly? Probably. Honestly, he probably is. Would I be shocked if Marcus convinced a few more of those guys to come up to Notre Dame? No, because I think he's a guy that that understands how to communicate. He's kind of in between. You talk about coaching millennials. He's kind of in between the new era and the old era and understands, you know, with social media and stuff like that and, and really how to communicate. Uh, so, you know, I think they're just they're that front seven, like you mentioned, those missing pieces away from not just getting to the dance, being able to boogie a little bit. Well, one thing with these with this transfer portal, and a lot of the a lot of the big teams, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Alabama, have had GMs and personnel departments. But I think every Power Five team, and even the good non Power Five teams, right, like Fresno State's and the UCF's of the world, are going to have to have GMs and like several people in there, not just working on recruiting, but when seven guys from the Big Twelve, or I mean, hell, let's quadruple that number, fifty guys. You, how do you go through all the film? In, in the NFL, we have scouting departments that kind of funnel it through the coaches. And I understand the coaches in college act as scouts, right? Because they're ultimately recruiting the guy, but they only have so much time during the day. Do you think it's inevitable that over the next decade, especially with the money that's flowing in now, that every Power 5 team not only has a head of personnel slash GM, but like three or four full-time employees working yeah. in, in a department? 
Yeah, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to add another wing to the recruiting d- department just because you're adding m- more prospects. I mean, like you said, and that's just one example. I mean, you look across the country, and it's not just Division One. There's some really good FCS offensive linemen out yeah. there that teams need. Uh, so yeah, somebody's gonna have to be able to manage it. You're gonna have to have three to four people. I mean, you add that with NIL now with the intake rule changing. You know, in the past you could only sign 25 scholarship guys per year. They bumped that up to 32. Uh, so you're adding you know more prospects per season. And so at the end of the day, you and you know this, John, you have to not leave no stone unturned and you have to have an answer for every guy that's out there because that guy could be the missing piece that you need to be able to flip a roster because it all comes down to roster structure. And however you're able to, to delegate power to the people that work underneath you that can help lend you to have better roster structure. There's a reason Nick Saban's so good at what he does, probably what he's best at is structuring his roster. Bama never loses too much at one point in time up front on either side of the ball at the same time. And that's the goal. That's the trick. So, yeah, I agree. You're, and again, not like they don't have the money. No. What's your take or like when you talk to other college coaches, when I don't know if it's been official yet, like Lincoln Riley, people have just transferred already to USC. But it, it kind of feels inevitable that some guys at Oklahoma are going to end up at USC this year. Yeah. Kalen Dubor takes the Washington job. Boom, within a day, his quarterback, who's an NFL guy, you know, late round guy, transferred from Fresno State the next day. Yeah. When you talk to college coaches, are they pissed off? They think it's shady? What's their take? Depends on what side you're on. If you're the side going, it's all good. If you're the side that's going to take in, uh, it's BS. And, you know, I talked about this when they, when they decided to not penalize guys for transferring. And I've always been, if the head coach leaves, you should be able to transfer. Not the defensive coordinator, not the quarterback coach, but if the head coach leaves that you signed with, you should be able to transfer with no penalty. What I think is interesting is when these coaches, if, if I get called from USC halfway through the year and I know I'm going, and I'm not saying yeah. Lincoln did this, are you not whispering in some of those players' ears, hey, Jaden Hazelwood, hey, you know, uh, Kalen uh, or uh, uh, Hayner, you know, I, we may be making a move or something. The tampering part of it is what I worry. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're bringing a new staff somewhere. If I'm at, for example, Auburn and we're playing Texas A&M and I'm looking, I'm like, man, Texas A&M's got two really good freshman offensive linemen that are playing. And I go hire Texas A&M's offensive line coach and they love him. And I get those two. It's look, there's going to be some MFs thrown around on some phone calls. Uh, I just, to me, it's, it's once you open Pandora's box, it's very hard to close it. And I really do worry about, um, you know, there being some tampering going on, not only during the year, but after the year. And I just, you know, the thing that makes the college game and, 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 you know, I'm sure you're on the other side of this. The best, in my opinion, is while it is not the purest thing of all time, it is a pure form uh, of the sport. And I think we're going away and away and away from that. And I do somewhat worry about that. Yeah, I think we've only scratched the surface of the transfer yeah. portal. I mean, th- there are going to be some historic you know, stories that come out over the next three or four years that are going to be, I'm going to get you out of here on this. Uh, Let's play a game. Say I gave you a hundred thousand dollars and you could bet on one of these two guys as to be like a Bitcoin, right? 10, 20 X your money. One of these guys is the next Kirby smart or Lincoln Riley. And I think there's two of them. You know, I I keep my ears to the streets of the sec people. Oh yeah. And uh, the Georgia defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning is 35 years old, did some research, star. Yes. Makes like makes like over a million dollars. Ole Miss offensive coordinator who went to play at Oklahoma, got injured, kind of had a Lincoln Riley start just being a student assistant. So he started coaching when he was 18 for Bob Stoops. 
Jeff Lebby is now Lane Kiffin's OC, who calls the plays and who's, I've been told, a star. You had to pick one of these two guys to bet that $100,000 to be the next Bitcoin of coaching. Which one are you uh, are you staking your money to? Man, you know, it's. I think they're both going to be really good, but I'd go Jeff Levy. Uh, you know, I number one, Jeff Levy's really tight with Arch Manning, so I'm very interested to see how that works out. He's actually tighter with Arch Manning than than Lane Kiffin is. Uh, but you know, the well, thing why, about, why is that? Are they just they've known each other for a long time? Well, or? you know, it's funny. Like, like it's such a small circle. I mean, Jeff Levy grew up and you know was Kendall Bryles' best friend. Uh, and, you know, the Bryles and the Mannings know each other. And it's just that they've known of each other. And I think they've kind of gravitated toward Jeff a little bit more. I think Jeff's been a little bit more involved, too, uh, in that recruitment from an early standpoint. Uh, but, look, I, I think Jeff is a little more ready than Dan is. I think Jeff has a, uh, is a few more answers offensively. Because, uh, again, we know it's an offensive game. Uh, it's about scoring points. And, and defense is very important. Look at Georgia right now and, and what they're doing. And Dan's uh, unbelievable. But I think Jeff is a little bit further ahead. Uh, and, and I, you know, if I had to bet money on it, I think, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Venables or, or, you know, whoever got the job at Oklahoma, if Jeff wasn't a candidate for that OC. Well, why, would, why wouldn't Oklahoma hire a levy? Is he just, it's risky? I mean, they did the same thing with Lincoln. I guess he was already there, but. You know, to me, I don't know 100% everything that's going on behind the scenes there. Um, so I don't want to speak out of turn, but I would be shocked if they went to Jeff as a head coach. I think Jeff may have to take the route of a, a high group of five or maybe a low P5 before he gets that bigger one. I think Dan's going to be the same way, uh, but I think Jeff, just from an offensive mind, schematically, the way he's able to evolve, you know, Kiffin rubbing off on him as well. Uh, I, I would say Jeff, and I, I think Jeff's a hell of a recruiter too. I mean, Dan's awesome. The players love him. He gets after it. You you watch him interacting. It's great stuff. Uh, but Jeff kind of goes about it a different way. Well, I, I got one for you then. Why doesn't, and I've been thinking this watching Bob recruit, why doesn't Bob just come back, I, take a little less money, and give Jeff uh, a large sum of cash to come be his offensive coordinator? They already know each other. Arch Manning, and then transition like they did with Lincoln Riley. Boom, solved. Look, I, well, I think Oklahoma's got a couple of a couple of options uh, that I think would be good, and, and those would be one of them. You know, Bob Stoops is Oklahoma. You know, I went, I know he went on there and said, you know, Oklahoma's bigger than any coach, this, that, and the other. But again, just like I said, when I think of USC, I think of Pete Carroll. When I think of Oklahoma, I think of Bob Stoops. I, yeah, I still same. don't think of of Lincoln Riley. Uh, I thought it was interesting. You know, when Bob gets the job as the interim. I thought it may be a play to get Mark Stoops to go to Oklahoma. But you can really tell Oklahoma got caught flat-footed on this thing. Yeah. Uh, you, could Bob, could Bob come back? Do you think that's crazy just to kind of help, you know, I think settle you settle everything for a couple of years? To the you SEC? know, the landscape has changed so much. And, and let's not forget, you know, Bob Stoops wasn't in love with recruiting. You know, uh, that, that was one thing. Well, that's why you get Levy. That's why you hire Levy for exactly $2 million. Bucks. But, you know, you look at the landscape of college football right now, I think he'd be fine. I mean, look, Bob, you look at Bob. I mean, shoot, he don't look much older than he was when he left. I mean, looks fantastic. Yeah, he looks fantastic. So I don't think they could go wrong there. I, I think he'd be a great fit and they could surround him with the head coach in waiting tag, I guess you could say, with a guy like Jeff Levy. No, I, I don't I don't think that's a bad idea. What I'm interested to see is if Dabo Sweeney or Brent Venables make the move out there. That's what I'm interested to see. You think that's possible? Yes, I do. Okay. Well, J-Boy, have a great day. Have a great weekend. SEC, it doesn't get any better. I, I once had Brett Veach, who's now the GM with the Chiefs, was an assistant. He was going to the SEC championship game. He said, this was a decade ago. Every team has to be represented at the SEC championship game. Oh, like yeah. it's, it's one of those unwritten rules. You know, Every team is represented with a scout, a GM. There's just too much talent in the game. That's exactly you know? right. 
Well, you know, when, when, when Roger Clemens was on the mound in high school, a lot of scouts showed up. They want to see the best players play, and that's you're going to find that the two best teams in the best conference. So, uh, there's look, there's so many NFL players that are going to be running around on that field Saturday. It's ridiculous. I can't wait. We'll listen every day. Jay Boy Show live on the Volumes YouTube ch- uh, channel, 3 to 4 Eastern, Apple, iTunes, easy to listen to on podcasts. I do basically daily. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Keep crushing. John, anytime I'm going to get you on soon, brother. Let's link. Later, bro. Later. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash Active cash. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of hand-cooked tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you, or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their hand-cooked test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. 
Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Let's dive into a little mailbag. We call it the Middlecoff Mailbag. Slide up into those DMs. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Uh, You guys know the drill. Slide up in and get your question answered here on the show. Got a lot of questions flowing. Question for the bag from Steven. While looking up at some of the potential draft spots for next year's draft, I stumbled upon the Jets, Giants, and Eagles possibly having two picks in the top 10. Do you think this could be a once-in-a-decade draft for any of those teams or more likely trading pieces to try to improve? I feel like the Eagles specifically could use a push themselves uh, up top in the NFC East, but the Giants and Jets desperately need more depth. Well, I think if a guy named Russell Wilson who happens to be a quarterback that we think might be on the move, becomes available, I think the Giants and the Eagles will lock in like, uh, you know, General Schwarzkopf on a mission, you know, and point their resources to attempt to do that. And I I think both teams would be heavily, heavily involved in the Russell Wilson sweepstakes if he demands a trade. So first and foremost, that's where I think those two teams would try to do. And if I put myself in Russell's shoes, I'm not playing for Joe Judge. I, I, I can't. Now, Sirianni, you know, it's not like he's proven much either, but at least he's an offensive play caller who has just some different pitches in his bag. You know, Freddie Kitchens is their offensive court. You think Russell Wilson's going to go play for Freddie Kitchens? I have a hard time seeing that. So I I think both those teams will be all over Russell. Does Dallas need to hit the panic button going one and three in the last four games? Well, I'm recording this before the uh, Thursday night game, which I'm going to assume they're going to win. Uh, as part of this conversation. Yeah, I mean, they 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 need to just get their swag back. They're paying their quarterback $40 million to play better. Dak Prescott needs to play better. You can't p- play a premium for anything in life and not get the ROI. And the last several weeks, he just hasn't, you know, been good enough. Period, point blank, end of story. Same thing with Matt Stafford. Like, once you're a $35, $40 million quarterback, I'm all in on you. I need you to carry the franchise. You're allowed bad games. We all have bad weeks. We're fucking humans, right? No, di- Football players are no different than the sales guy. You're allowed to have a bad, a bad day, a bad week. You can't have a bad month. Not when I'm paying you that much money. Like Lincoln Riley's allowed to lose a game or two. You can't go six and six. Not when I'm paying you $100 million, right? Like Brian Kelly, you got $100 million or $95 maybe. Like You can have a down year at nine and three. But seven and five ain't going to be allowed. So it's no different with quarterbacks. It's on the quarterback. And if you're listening to this, hopefully Dakota Prescott played well. Uh, sliding into your DMs. Love the pod. Heard you through Colin. I'm from Louisiana and I'm an LSU fan. But I graduated from La Tech. I've been there. Ruston, Louisiana. I don't really have a question for you, but something that I'm not hearing anywhere. Super excited for Brian Kelly, but tired of hearing he's an outsider. He is, but he's a Catholic. 
This is going to be go a long way recruiting in Louisiana. South Louisiana is majority Catholic and a big football school in Baton Rouge is Catholic high. I haven't heard anyone make this point on anything I read or listened. Well, I agree. Religion is a major, major uh, connector in the South. That much is not arguable. You know, it's a big reason like there are some values in my life. Like I, I'm very, very, if you listen to this, it's pretty obvious, fiscally conservative. <laughs> like I, I lean right when it comes to money. But I am the anti of a religious person. I'm not religious at all. There's nothing against it. I mean, my mom tried to take me to catechism class, and I just, I'm just not a religious guy at all. Uh, I'm not an atheist, but I just, I don't really know what I am. But I'm, de- I'm just not religious. And I, I, that's something where I'm a big believer in, like why Dabo and Kirby and some and Bobby Bowden, like they really work in the South because that matters. So yeah, that, that should help him out a lot. Most of us on the West Coast, like, and maybe I'm overgeneralizing here, ain't going to church every Sunday. So it's why I know I don't like West Coast guys going to the South. Just like I don't like, I don't think Dabo would work at USC because he's he'd be preaching religious stuff, which works in his program that would not work out here. It would fall on deaf ears. So, I, you know, it does matter. But I, I think a huge part of being an insider or, you know, considering Brian Kelly an outsider is it's the way you talk right? <laughs> Hell, I, I'm probably more country than Brian Kelly. My dad was a farmer. I listen to country music. You know, I mean, Brian Kelly, there's a difference between, yeah, sharing religious uh, similarities and being just kind of one of them the way they live their life. That to me, and the pace of life, right? The pace of life in the South is actually much closer to what we have in the West. We're in the Northeast, Chicago and East, fast pace, very, very quick. We're chiller, you know, and I'm sure you in the South, it's just it's just slower pace. Brian Kelly ain't a slow pace guy. Now, neither's Nick Saban, but he has just, and I know he's from West Virginia, but let's face it, he has just Southern characteristics. By the way, what are your thoughts on Burrow versus Her- Herbert matchup this week? The last time they met, opening weekend, it was great game. I watched the Bengals game the other night, uh, or actually the other day on the Stairmaster. Bengals... Pittsburgh Steelers, the Bengals offense is awesome. You know, Burrow is a stud. Jamar Chase is a baller. Joe Mixon is probably a top five running back. I, I never include him with Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, and uh, <clears throat> who's the other guy I always leave out? Sorry if I'm leaving out your star running back, but you know you know the crew. He, he's right there. He is really, really good. And Boyd and Higgins, say one thing for uh, for the Bengals. When they're good, and they're good a lot more often than they're bad. I, I was texting with someone the other day, actually Hulse, the uh, producer of this podcast. And I was like, you know, the Bengals get like lumped in like they're the Raiders or the Lions. They have nothing in common with those franchises. They go to the playoffs all the time. They win this game, they're going back to the playoffs. They've gone to the playoffs with multiple head coaches, right? They went multiple times when Carson Palmer got there, with Marvin Lewis, once Carson Palmer bounced. I guess Marvin Lewis would have been the coach back then too. But multiple quarterbacks, they'll have three different quarterbacks taking them to the uh, to the playoffs, if Burrow does. Burrow, Dalton, and uh, Palmer, right? So I, I, I just think that the Bengals are good. They're, at least their offense is good. And if their defense plays well, uh, which is going to be much more difficult this week against Herbert than it was against Roethlisberger, I'm fascinated to see it because I, I, I'm ex- I was excited watching the Bengals. I, I was impressed. 
uh, started listening to your podcast not long ago. I heard your segment on Brandon Staley and the Chargers, and as a fan, I do agree. I think he's a little over his head. My question is, what could be some solutions? Obviously, our owner doesn't care enough to ever pay for a stadium, but being the last in the league in rush defense, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I think it's he's the defensive coordinator. So their offense feels a little off, and their defense is not good. Well, the defense is his baby. He's not an offensive guy, so what's he going to do to help Herbert out? He brings in Lombardi, who uh, you know comes from the Saints. It just it just feels off. You just watch him and you go, they're underachieving. They have too much talent to not be better than they are. Like they're six and five to me through eleven games. The Chargers should be like, I don't know, eight and four. I guess that wouldn't add up to eleven. Huh? <laughs> eight and three. Uh, hell, even seven and four to me feels a little bit more like their talent. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's a great question. It's why you always go these cheap coaches. And listen, he's an impressive guy, but experience matters. I'm a lifelong Jets fan, and it's pretty terrible, I can imagine. I can't figure out why we can never seem to get it together, even when we have some success like Rex in 09 and 10 and Herm in the early 2000s, we can never seem to sustain it. And for the last 10 years, we've basically been dog shit. I've heard nothing but great things about Joe Douglas, and while he's made some moves I like, like the Jamal Adam trades, it looks like he's completely blew the Wilson pick, and he can't get their offensive line straight. And Salah also was promising as a coach, but seems completely over his head. With this kind of sustained futility, I think uh, I chalk it up to ownership. But you never really hear anything terrible about the Johnsons. They're not some chronic meddlers like Jerry Jones or always doing loony shit like Jim Irsay. Jim Irsay's a good owner. He might be loony, but his teams consistently win. Like we, Jim Irsay, we may, I make fun of a lot. I mean, he got caught with 50K in cash and a bunch of pills. Clearly, he's had some drinking issues. But his team's like, I, I, I think he's a really good owner. Yeah, both of their fr- uh, teams are always decent. I feel like I'm rambling a bit, but I guess what I'm asking for is, wh- why do the Jets perennially suck? Well, to me, it always starts at the top, right? Shit rolls downhill. It's why the best, you know, I, when I bought the condo I live in, I'm at the top of the building. And there have been plumbing issues in this complex, right? And, and for the amount we have to spend in the Bay Area, I can't imagine. And I almost bought a condo on the other side, of where I'm living now at the bottom. And I heard like two years ago, it got flooded. And it's just when I go to the bathroom or when I take a shower, all the water goes down. And it's the same thing in the hierarchy of a football team of any business. It starts at the top. I don't know the Johnsons, uh, besides that they are incredibly wealthy, but they own a team that consistently loses for whatever reason. Now, Joe Douglas, they are going to win or lose based on Zach Wilson. They drafted Zach Wilson number two overall. If he becomes a top 10 quarterback, they will be good. If he doesn't, they're fucked. Period, point blank. It's not that complicated. And is Salah going to be a good head coach? I don't know. Like, he's a CEO head coach at 39, 40 years old. Like, bro, you were just hired to call the defense. I don't don't love the CEO head coach. Be like, well, what about Tomlin? Yeah, I'd say Mike's an outlier. What about Nick Saban? Nick Saban's 70 years old. Same with Bill. You know, I, if you're going to be a CEO, like I'd like my CEOs to be a little older. Every once in a while, you can find a Theo Epstein at 39. I would say time and time again, they're proven to be not the norm, right? Most young coaches in the league that are having success, look at LaFleur, look at Kyle, look at McVay. They're all calling plays. Look at some of the younger or, I mean, older, good offensive coaches, Sean Payton and Andy Reid. 
even Matt Rule, like Matt Rule, he's an impressive guy. He's a CEO head coach, but like, what do they do well? I just like my guy to call the plays. I just do. So it's just the simple answer is they're going to need Zach Wilson to be good. They're just going to need him to become a star. Because when you draft a guy number two overall, you're expecting a star player. Should Seattle go after Kellen Moore for the head coaching job? I think it would make a lot of sense. But to me, the only way I'm hiring Kellen Moore, like Kellen, if I'm hiring you as my head coach, which, listen, I, 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 I cape for Kellen Moore. I watched his career at Boise State. I was on the sideline for multiple seasons when we played him at Fresno State and he kicked our ass. His dad was a famous high school coach. His brother is a star young coach at Fresno State. Kellen is from the state of Washington. I think it would make a lot of sense. But if I'm hiring him, he's calling the place. Under no circumstances am I hiring him to be my head coach if he's not my offensive play caller. I'm expecting Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan. I'm not doing CEO Robert Sala. So if Kellen Moore wants to be my head coach, I would do it, especially if that keeps Russell. But he has to call the place. That's part of the contract. There's no like, you know, just hire a sweet offensive play caller. That would not work. I heard Colin and Joy talking about Russ being really high on Miami and the Giants. How real is this? If they part with Pete and get an offensive guy, that to me, like, hey, 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 Russell. And I talked about this on my other podcast, or I didn't, Guy brought it up. Do you know that Russell, like, most top quarterbacks in the league, just think of like the last three or four of the last couple decades. Peyton, Brady, uh, Roethlisberger, Breeze, they get their guys head coaching jobs. Do you know what happens to Russell Wilson's offensive coordinators? They get fired. They don't become offensive coordinators anymore. Their careers go to die with Russell. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. You go to If you went to coach Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, you became a multimillionaire because they turned you into head coach. You go to coach for Russell Wilson, you get the pink slip. Your career comes to a screeching halt. So, like, you could argue if you're Kellen Moore, like, do you want to hit your wagon to Russell Wilson? Pretty risky. And listen, I'm a Russell fan. I think he's one of the most remarkable players I've ever seen. I've seen him play live three or four times. And every time I've seen him live, he's he's incredible. But for whatever reason, and so I'm a Russell, the player fan, but there's more than that to be a quarterback. And for whatever reason, his coaches end up on the street or like with the Jags, where I think Schottenheimer and Bevel both are. Uh, mailbag question. With Jim finally getting success at Michigan, beating Ohio State, will he run if the NFL calls? I know Mark Davis listens to John Madden a lot. Should Jim be considered for the Raider job? What if Jim Harbaugh upsets Georgia and wins a national championship? If the Raiders are, they'd have to be nuts to not offer him the job. Now, would he leave Michigan? He accomplished everything he set out to accomplish. I don't think it would be crazy. Especially they have Carr. They could build the team there. I think it would make some sense. I think Mark Davis, you know, pivoting from Gruden to go to Jim Harbaugh, Las Vegas. I I could see that. I really could. Love the prod. Appreciate your authenticity. Do you think Brady? I always get that. Like, I appreciate your authenticity. Do most people? It's kind of sad how fake most people are. I was thinking about this. Like, I, I've never been a great politician. It's why I, I had to become an entrepreneur because the, the corporate world, you have to be. I, I can't fake it. I, I, I just I could a little bit in my 20s. Part of it, like I was working for high-level people, and faking it's the wrong word. I would just bite my tongue. But the older I get, I, I just I don't know how. Especially some of these people that talk for a living, they just they they're just completely. They don't even say what they mean. How how do they do this? 
I mean, I, I don't know how people live. Uh, do you think Brady will ever be as popular as beloved as Peyton Manning? Similar in golf. Jack won more, but Arnie was always loved more by the fans. Do you think that the fans will come around on Brady when he retires? I actually think that Brady is basically Jack and Arnie combined. I Because in New England, he's a, he's a saint. He's a beloved religious figure. Uh, he'd become that in Tampa. I think he's the most famous NFL player in the history of the league. So I, I, I think what Tom Brady actually is, if I want to use a golf analogy, he's Jack Arnie mixed with Tiger. Like I, it's, I really think it's he's that big. Peyton Manning, and I love Peyton Manning. He was easily my favorite player in high school and college. And I desperately rooted for him. One of my the coolest moments I remember as a fan was just watching him have that comeback in the AFC Championship against Tom. I think the score was 24-7 and a half. They were playing at Indy. And Peyton led, led, him, led him on this scorching comeback. And I, I remember just being so proud. I mean, fuck, it's not like I knew the guy. But I was just so proud as a Peyton Manning homer that he pulled that off and then he won the Super Bowl and it was just so awesome. But I think Tom's on a completely different level. And obviously Peyton's fame is, you know, second to none. Like, honestly, I think the golf analogy there is like Tiger and Phil. Like, Phil is a enormous superstar, but he ain't Tiger. Same thing with Peyton and, and, and Tom. But both those two guys kind of define the game, right? I'm a diehard Seahawks fan. They're, the Seahawks fans are on edge right now. Do you know what shows you? When you get used to winning as a fan, losing sucks. There is nothing like watching a winner for a long, sustained period of time and then like and then losing. Imagine being like a Raider Alliance fan when all you've watched for like two decades is losing or the Browns. Like it, it really, you know, start think if you're ever really down, think about that. Like I could be rooting for the way worse teams that always lose. Like you've had 10 years going to the playoffs, going to Super Bowls, hosting playoff games. NFL's tough, man. You're bound to have some, you know, rough years. You know, the question is Pete Carroll done. He's owed a ton of money. I bet they owe him $40, $50 million. Now, luckily, they have a ton of money. I think everything's going to be on the table. Uh, I I do expect Russell Wilson to ask for a trade. They lose this weekend. They'd be three and nine. It's going to, it's only going to get uglier. It, It really is. Their offense sucks. So it's tough times, man. Just keep, just keep the hope. Keep the hope. Uh, but it could be, if you trade Russell, it could be a long couple years. Uh, appreciate everyone DMing me. Appreciate everyone uh, who interacts with the show. I just, I, I'm grateful for everyone and uh, this opportunity that Colin afforded me years ago and the growth of this show. It's been fun. I appreciate it. And uh, luckily on here, we can say whatever the hell we want and we'll keep doing that and we'll keep pumping out pods. Have a great day. Adios. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. 
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.